Morning Show. Getting the second hour of the program started here. Here with you until 9 o'clock, and then you thought you'd be rid of us? No, we're going to hang around, hijack the show. Not hijack it, but be part of J.D. Bunkus podcast. Uh, we'll be joining him, talk a little golf a little later on. A man who loves some golf and a man who I'm sure is thrilled not to be ginning up Leafs topics every day uh, during his summer vacation, mm-hmm. but we're going to make him do it now. Uh, Justin Bourne. Bourne, joins us. Bourne, how's it going, bud? I'm shocked. Bunk has you guys going from morning show right onto his show after this? Yes. yes. Yeah. You, you know him. <laughs> Come on. Content content uh, creator. He I just There's no sleep uh, for, for us there. But seriously, Borny, how excited are you not to have to gin up Leafs topics in the dead of summer? Because yeah. we're trying. We did just work ourselves into a, a slight lather about Sheldon Keefe, which that just proves we're sick. I don't think that proves anything other than that. But, yeah, how excited are you to just get to, you know, relax a little bit in summer vacation? Well-deserved, yeah, by the way. You, you, Thank you. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, like there is still a lot to be decided with the Leafs and what their team is going to look like. And like, I, I think there is still drama to pick through, but like to just step back from it for a minute mm-hmm. is really, really nice. Uh, <laughs> Sam can attest and obviously Gunner, you two in a you know di- different time slot, the daily immersion in the drama when sometimes there's not that much drama you just need to let time pass and let things play out it is nice to have a moment now that said i am really excited about this year ahead and given this you know different look and all that but yeah i'm I'm pretty pumped to have a little break from it all before we get back into hockey barney do you think the hole in one buying everybody a drink tradition is stupid you know what? I got to tell you, I was so I have one hole in one. I was twelve years old. Okay, I, well, that, hit then, it from. You can't buy a drink for everyone, then, then you're safe. Chocolate milks for all the <laughs> yes. fellas. But I, I was, uh, you know, playing the forward tees, twelve years old, hole in one, and I got in, and they were like, oh, "You got to buy everyone drinks," and I thought I was going to be feted with gifts and prizes, <laughs> and I was expected to buy an iced tea for anyone. Blew my mind. I think it's ridiculous. Oh, okay, because we've been argu- we've been arguing a little bit about it this morning. I. I don't think it's the best tradition, but it's a tradition nonetheless. That one you have, because I was uh, I played yesterday, and a guy in front of me got a hole in one. So yeah, um, but he didn't handle it That's right. Awesome. He didn't go into the clubhouse. He didn't tell any. Like he was just sitting in the parking lot on his phone, and it just got me thinking. Like you got to buy a drink, yeah. at least for us, the group behind. Like I saw it so, happen. You got to buy a drink for somebody. I now that I Bad am golf forty karma. years old, I absolutely support the buying of the drink thing like I thought it was ridiculous then but like I would do it now and you've just had this wonderful moment you're going to tell people about forever I think it's cool to get everyone in to celebrate it a little it kind of sucks you got to foot the bill but really the course should pay the course should support that sort of thing I played with a guy who told me his home course has the ace insurance insurance where you pay like I I forget what it is at the start of the year and if you get one you they pay for the the rounds which I mean if you're playing on like a men's night it's going to save you yeah, a significant amount bucks. yeah yeah anyways that's all I just want to get your take on that Borny. <laughs> Well, it's, it is a fascinating concept, but because it is one of those like traditions, it's like I would abide by it today. But yes, when I, I was would younger, kill I to spend two hundred dollars on drinks for people. <laughs> I, know, I right? would do anything for that. So there you go. I stuffed when I played D'Antonio. My son played his first round of golf oh, ever. We nice. played nine holes nice. a week or two ago. Uh, complete dirt tee boxes that day. D'Antonio <laughs> had just punched, <laughs> scraped, and raked the tee boxes. But I stuffed one. I mean, like, inches on whatever. Ooh, the hole's like 60 yards. Nightmare. Would I count a 60-yard no, no. dirt tee box wedge not. ace? That's a pitch. That's not a that's – you can't. 
I feel like if it's a hole in one What's course. What's the yardage then? Well, everyone's like, oh, the par three course doesn't count. It doesn't. Uh, it does count. No. It just has to be a legit length. Like, it has to be over 110 for me. Unless it's on, like, a normal course. Mm. 90. On, over 90. If it's on a normal course, like, for example, our Gunning and I's beloved Lakeview, there's a hole on it that's, like, 85 yards. Yep. And it's my number one choice in the world to get a hole in one on. That's the number one hole I want a hole in one on. Sam Snead. And... Why? It's it's just beautiful. Borny, it's picturesque. If you, Borny, if you ever played Lakeview with me, you'd understand. Okay? okay? One of these times this summer, you're going to get out and play with me. And it's just, if you're playing it within the context of a round, and it's a short one, but if you're playing a hole in a, a par three course, you get a hole in one on like a 65-yarder, that does not count, unfortunately. Yeah. So good thing I'm, I didn't I'm have to. there. I, I honestly was like, don't go, don't go. Like, I don't want that one. I don't want no. to have to like... I have one from the forward tees at 12 and one at Dintonia. Like, I don't want that. Yeah, that would be tough. That would be tough, although quite the Superman move as dad. Like, would you ever feel more powerful than just ace in front of the kid? Like, what can't you do? Oh, my God. See, Chucky, it's easy, bud. Just hit him in the hole. Yeah, why not? Just do it that way. I can only imagine. Uh, Yeah, that that, – I'm happy we got you to weigh in on that because uh, I have been way too preoccupied with this. I've been looking up the theories as to where this possibly started, the two we've seen that we like are uh, just to keep people honest. Somebody said you got to do it as a way to stop people from going, oh, I got a hole in one. I like that. Uh, and then there was oh, another. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, the idea like of just theory. like, we got to instill honor in this game early. And the only way to make people people honorable is to make them pay for it. Uh, so, can yeah, I, I do Can like I just that. say that I don't need all of the professional athletes tweeting that Steph Curry could be a pro golfer? Can they all stop? Do they have any context for no. what like, elite Thank golf you. is like? I am I am so happy you brought this up. I got irrationally mad seeing all of that yesterday. How long would it take? Forever. Uh, I saw somebody, I think it was like <laughs> Rob Gronkowski threw it out, and Dylan Fratelli, you know, minor-ish PGA Tour guy, said, if you gave him five years of focusing on just golf, he could probably make a couple cuts on the Corn Ferry. And that is the <laughs> highest of praise he was willing to yeah. heap on Steph Curry. I'm with you. I lose my mind every year when we do this. I love I Love, Steph Curry I love loves Steph golf. Curry playing golf, but I agree. That's absurd takes. Yeah, just, Do you guys know how good those guys are on tour? Like, it's no just clue. a different world. Like, Ricky Fowler was in shambles. He was a mess for, like, years. <laughs> and he would be... He would nine and aim Stephen Curry. I want, you know what? I'm, <laughs> yes, 100%. I'm going at his worst. I'm going the other way on this. I want, I want more golfers just posting videos of themselves playing other sports, and I want people to be like, Gary Woodland would be a problem in the NBA or something like that, <laughs> just to see, just to see how the reaction would go. And you know what? I get, I bet people would not take that too well. I don't think people would like Gary to hear Woodland. the John Rom is going to be. Gary Woodland's a great pull I would, I would, as a random I, I PGA would, guy. I would. <laughs> he did. He played hoops in high yeah. school and college. Yeah. I would. Oh, ki- did he? Okay. I would kill to see Gary Woodland. I'd pay a lot of money to see him play ten minutes in an NBA game. Oh, <laughs> so, get, honestly, they have this celebrity game at the All Star game every year. Get, get our man, man Gary yeah. uh, cruising, cruising around. Well, and out they there. always, they always have the bet. Like you know, could you could you score two oh. points in an NBA no. game? No. You no. know, if you no. played forty eight minutes, no. it's like could I, Gary Woodland score two I, points? Well, he played college ball. Let's I, see. I saw this meme the other day. It was like. For one million dollars, no, for ten million dollars, could you score fifteen points in an NBA game if you played all no, by forty-eight minutes? Like fifteen points. Yeah, it's the, like Fred Van Vliet pay me doesn't twenty score. million dollars a year if I could do that. <laughs> he doesn't. Fred Van Vliet can't score fifteen some games. <laughs> the most insane version of.
of that has been the one going around of would you take a million dollars or the chance to get $10 million if you can get five yards in an NFL game as a running back? Uh, the answer to that is death. Most people are not surviving <laughs> to get that chance at $10 million. That is the, truly the most yeah. absurd one. Uh, five yards. you got to take a oh, shot. I think, I, think yeah. I, complete one pass. I think I can complete one pass. I think I can complete one pass in shotgun formation, behind the line of scrimmage before I die. I think rushing the ball, <laughs> but if you've got the Eagles O-line, you, no, you, you, no, you fall no, down. You do not. You no. fall down four times. You might get a yard. Sportsnet content team, get this man. Forget the Eagles. Get him to York University and let him run behind that O line and have those boys break him. Tell me you wouldn't want to see that, Borney. Old Gumby out there in football pads. That. I'd be dead. Yeah. But it's I, I would pay the hole-in-one amount of money to watch <laughs> Mickey run behind York's O-line. Oh, God, I really do uh, want to see that. Uh, so, uh, Leafs. Hockey? Yeah, we'll talk a little yeah. hockey here. So, you mentioned there's still a lot to be decided. I think everything is in, you know, at least from the fan base perspective, a holding pattern until this Matthews deal gets go- gets done. I think Nylander is much more up in the air. I think even people who are the biggest of Nylander supporters can see a world where it doesn't make sense to give him exactly what he's asking for. Does it just feel like we're just kind of sitting here waiting for the Matthews domino to fall or is there, are there kind of other things you're, you're looking at here? Well, there seems to be like some sort of concerted effort to not have him be the first one, like to get Nylander under contract before the Matthews number is announced, presumably because the Matthews number is going to make Nylander want more money. But like, I just fail to see how any of these things are connected. Like there's six, 700 players in the NHL and, you know, your counterparts, the people you're most like and going to be paid like are rarely on your own team. So I've hated for years the whole Leafs looking at each other's salary and saying, well, Tavares says this, so this is the new ceiling or this is the floor for me or, you know, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. So these guys look around the league, you know, find what you're roughly worth as a comp. Don't worry about if Matthews is making more or whatever and and just get it done to me. So it's it's been weird to me that we're this far along and we don't have any sort of announcement on this. I, it seems like the Nylander one is really, they're really dug in on, but I am surprised we don't have a Matthews contract. Yeah. Like, I just kind of thought that I was going to be July 2nd or something. I completely agree that it's a little bit, I wouldn't say it's headed into the total concern, concern zone yet, Borny. A uncomfortable. But I, I would say I'm a little bit uncomfortable by the fact that it hasn't gotten done, but I guess the one kipper theory was that they're waiting for Nylander, like like uh, Gunner said. Yeah. I just, do you think Nylander is signed or is on the team at the start of training camp? You know, the longer this goes on, the less likely I think it is. And, you know, you look at just the way that they went about free agency, you know, like Domi had some goals and Bertuzzi had some goals. Like, it's almost like they protected themselves against moving him. And I just can't look at their lineup and look or look at their decor and be like, that's good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Like, they need to do something there. So if he's going to be really expensive and they added some goals, it seems to me like there's a world where you could trade him for some help on defense. And I know that's been the talk for with Nylander for as long as we've been. He's been around. Literally his trade entire Willie career. For, yeah, we'll trade Willie for a D. But, like, the circumstances now... I think make it more likely than at any other point in his tenure at the Leafs. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd say I'm 
60% he's a Leaf next year, 40% gone. Kind of kind of a weird way to phrase this, but if you're going to trade Nylander for a D, does that D have to be Morgan Riley's partner? I mean, I understand we've been looking for a partner for him forever. TJ Brody has worked well, but that also, you know, didn't look as good as it's looked in the past at the tail end of the playoffs last year, really, you know, the the entirety of the playoffs. Brody was kind of scuffling. You know, I could be talked into this mythical partner could be a partner for Jake McCabe, and that frees Riley up to do other things. How do you look at what you're looking for in that defenseman if that's kind of the way they go about the trade. Uh, doesn't it feel like the guy you need for Morgan Riley is not, I don't know, Jacob Slavin, the best defensive defenseman in the league? Like, mm-hmm. uh, it seems to me like he's played his best hockey with Luke Shen, yep. Ron Hainsey, Honey. you know, yeah, Labushkin, you know, like he's been pretty good with some guys that are not the best players in the league. He just needs someone whose focus is defending, someone who does not care about accolades or you know points or whatever, someone who just wants to be a defender. So for Riley, I'm not sure that it has to be his partner, but I just would like someone that it's one nothing Leafs and there's two minutes left. Someone I want to see come over the boards because right now is the, if it, it's not Riley, right? That's not your number not one Klingberg? defensive choice. Well, that's it. Is it Klingberg? Is it Lilligren? Is it you know? Go through the list. It's like Geo at his best, maybe. But what mm. are we? What's he going to be next year? I just want someone I can trust. You know? Yeah, that's that's how. It how works. much do we? I I don't know about you guys, but when I'm putting together the blue line. I have a big gap between Mark Giordano and everybody else, and not because I'm completely writing him off, but it's just we saw how it got towards the tail end of the season. Like, do you think they can go into the year with him as anything other than their seventh D? Do you think they can, you know, we have all the conversations about Tavares, and they got to spare him, and they got to move him off center. I feel a lot better about John Tavares playing center than I do Mark Giordano playing 82 games next year. You know, it's been really quiet around Mark Giordano, has it not? Like, have we heard a thing from him about next year? Literally not a peep. We haven't heard a thing from anyone, Borny. It's been the Sahara. That's fair. I know, it is. It's really strange. And, like, there was, you know, Kipper had talked about on our show that he wasn't even sure that Giordano was going to come back. And I kind of went into summer with that feeling, too. It just last year felt like it was a lot for him. And, God, he was pretty good for them in Game 70. But it did tail off. And by playoffs, it kind of got a little tough to watch there. So, yeah, I I think he's got to enter enter as a 7 for sure, Gunner. But does he want to do that? You know, know, make league minimum and be the 7th D? I guess. The guy loves the game, so if he wants to be that role, you're happy to have it. But, yeah, if you, if you have but, him higher in the lineup than that, you're in trouble. Well, all, all we ever heard from him is, he's like, oh, you got to keep the engines red. Yeah. I can't – I got to play every right. night. It's like, ah, man. Right. That's a, honestly a big reason why I was concerned about bringing Keith back is maybe some of the relationships that he has with these guys in terms of, like – feeling a commitment to play them a certain amount of times. And, like, when that conversation was floating around that they were going to bring Alex Kerfoot back, it was, like, the nightmare because it's, like, even if he signed for You said a, a minimum dollar, you wouldn't have a dollar. dollar. If he signed for a dollar, he's still, like, the first option when they're, when <laughs> Willie and Tavares are scuffling. It's, like, Flexing. here we go. Back into the top six for Kerfoot. I just I feel like some of the relationships that Keith has with these guys and where he plays them in the lineup is one of the reasons that it's surprising he's coming back. It just feels like it's going to be a lot of the same with some of these guys.
But but don't you feel like Tree Living opens the door for Keith to tell all these guys in like a one on one meeting before the season things are different now? Like I think you yeah, think but you how can much have di- those how much different can it be if it's still the same guy? Well, I think like, I think did that's, he have the shackles on that. That's hard? the thing. I think this is the black box that the unknowable thing about the Leafs is just how much was Sheldon Keith coaching the way he wanted to versus the way he was asked to. And how much of that will change with a different GM? Like, does it does it not kind of feel like that's the whole question of what Keith is as Leafs coach going forward? Because I I mean, again, like it shouldn't be this big an issue or this big a fork in the road moment. But I would love to know whose idea it was to walk back the soft and purposeless. I'm sure it was not one person, but I would love to know who made that decision. And I think that the answer to that has a big impact on what version of him you get this year. So I don't think the Sheldon Keefe would coach a way that he didn't want to coach. Like, I, I don't think that anything would – the decisions have been his, in my opinion. Like, yes, there would be conversations with Kyle, and that sort of thing, Gunner, I think is separate. That's, that to me isn't even coaching where they're like, hey, you can't talk about our star players like that or whatever Keefe, you know, Dubas would have said there. But uh, the way he's coached, I think, has been his own choices. However – I think the tree living thing gives him a chance to even reevaluate himself and the choices he's made and try to be different. So he can come back and maybe it'll even look like to people, oh, it was Dubas who had him doing X, Y, Z when he decides he wants to try some other things this year. But I think you'll see some different choices. And at the very least, it frees him up to say, Geo, you know, we want, you know, you wanted to keep your engine revved. We're not doing that this year. Here's why, you know, and just go through the whole lineup with your guys and say, in the past, we've done this. That's not going to be the case this year. It's a fresh start for a lot of guys. So I was all set to let you go, but I figured you're a good person to ask about this. We were putting together our fake Willie Nylander trades earlier this week, and I was having such a trouble. It took a beating again for my trades. Holy yeah! I was having such a problem (laughs) with what Nylander's value is across the league because we had some different ones, but the one we did agree on now McKee got crazy and just kept adding assets uh, onto the Leaf side of things for very minimal so I don't know that it would happen but a Keandre Miller Willie Nylander trade where do those two kind of fit on the NHL value scale like Nylander has clearly proven more but you're about to have to pay him Keandre Miller has more upside it may be a more premium position but he's also proven less in the league and I don't want to make it just about those two but when I'm trying to put together a Nylander trade I have just such a hard time kind of ranking where he is as a as an asset in the NHL well, what makes the conversation so hard is that you have to assign him a dollar amount before you can trade him. Like, no one is trading for Willie, I don't think, without knowing that there's an up. extension yeah. in place or a dollar amount that he will sign for. So, it, it, Willie Nylander, if he signs for $9 million, I think has real value. But if he wants ten and a half, I don't think there's anyone who's going to give you too much for him. So mm. if you say, okay, pick the sort of the middle number, what Willie might get uh, eight years at nine and a half million or something like that, you know, w- would I trade him straight up for Keandre Miller, who just signed a deal for two years and what, four million? Yeah, a just under four. Yeah, just under four. Probably. You know, like you need a D-man and he's big and he skates and he's young and has yeah. upside. Like, you know, it, you could 
probably talk me into that just because it's not just the player. It's the position. You mentioned the premium, the age, but also then you're freed up to spend the other five and a half to make your team better that you were going to give to Willie anyway. So now we just got to get the Rangers to do it. My my trade also involved Nick Robertson and uh, Alex Lafreniere. And Barkley Goudreau, and it was a and Kyle Yarncroft. <laughs> it was it was a blockbuster video, pal, and I took a beating for it. It was the slowest news day of the year. It was like literally just like, oh, this will be fun. It was like, no, you idiot. Here's 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 the much more reasonable one I threw out was uh, Nylander for just Goudreau and Miller, which I feel like is still a big uh, big ass there. But yeah, McKee attacking uh, on all the least problems and all the Rangers fun upside pieces. I did love it, uh, but yeah, he got banned. L- L- Lafreniere, I would really love. What? I feel like, you know, buy low in this guy. I, think, I still think he's going to be a decent player. Yeah, I agree. There's no way the guy who looked like that just a couple of years ago and has had some moments, albeit not recently, but some playoff moments for that team, I would be all over jumping on that. But I imagine a lot of teams are uh, are thinking the same. Uh, Borny, loved you jumping on with us and uh, Thanks, thrilled for you getting out of Dentonia in the mud pit there. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. There he goes. Justin Bourne. Back to summer vacay. Love, Love that, that guy. Love that man. Oh, through we both true. were going to say it. No, yeah, no, he's yeah. the best. He's yeah. the best. Uh, somebody else who uh, we enjoy. We enjoy watching him strike crispy golf shots. That's what he does. A ball striker's ball striker. Mm. Corey Connors had a chance to catch up with him. Chew on something? Yesterday. Oh, we should probably chew on something, yeah. though. It's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. That's why I asked you if you had it in front of you. Okay. You're like, I just have this story I want to talk about, man. I cannot be expected to do anything here. The sun has only been up for an hour. How dare people expect things of me? <sighs> Disgusted. <sighs> Would you like to tee up the story now? Nah, you go ahead. That our friends at Great Canadian I'm Meats sorry, Great are Canadian so Meats. fired up to talk about. I'm sorry, Great Canadian Meats. All right. I actually don't know the, how, the, how happy they'll be to have this story is the one we're chewing on. A serial killer in New York <laughs> called in to Michael K's show. Not hopeful LeBron here. Not one, not two, but 89 different times talking about things such as the Giants O-line. <laughs> There's also a guy on the show he does not like. Talk about dodging a bullet. Literally. Literally. Or a knife. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know how he's doing it. Maybe this is a see you in Belize situation, breaking bad stuff. I don't know. Wow. Sports radio caller. Uh, if you're out there, hope you love us. I I just think this is such a fascinating thing. So good. Like, it's just, you know. How would you feel sports? if a, just a fan of yours is out there, just you're you're Cleaning. watching the news and you're like, wait, What? I won't say any former fan callers, but there's one that popped into my mind. It's just the, the, the thought of a guy like being a literal serial killer and be like, that Cashman's trade record is starting to get a little bit, <laughs> a little bit sketchy. <laughs> like the fact that you have just like the ability in your brain to just get by that and do what you do is one of the most remarkable things. It's just such a crossover for me. Maybe it's not interesting to anyone else, no, but to it me, is. it's an incredible story. This has led me uh, via private text. I will not do it here uh, to wonder aloud which fan personality would most likely have fans that are a serial killer. <laughs> also, which fan personality may themselves just like keep an eye out. And I want to be clear, not absolving myself here. I guarantee okay. there's been people who have worked with me who have been like, old Gunner, 
runs a little hot, and he loves a, a blood enemy. He loves to have a feud with someone. <laughs> but so I'm not be, absolving myself. It could also be me because I'm just, you know, you don't I'm relaxed. Yeah, no, he's so happy-go-lucky yeah. like no, Mr. Brooks. Yeah, yeah. Every, yeah everyone's, you Great know. Great Costner movie. Mr. Brooks, never seen it. That's very good. Yeah. All right, I'll make you a deal. I'll watch the Banshees of Inishirin, and you yeah. can watch Mr. Brooks. All right, uh, I don't know uh, who's going to enjoy which more, but very thoroughly enjoyed chewing on that. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Corey Connors, ball strikers, ball striker. Had a chance to catch up with him in the supper hour over in the UK yesterday. He's getting set for the Open Championship, last major of the golfing season. He is going to join us because he talked to me yesterday. We will have it for you next. Fan Morning Show with Gunning and McKee on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fair morning show. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee here. Somebody who's not here, they're across the pond. They're in the U.K., ready to play some Lynx golf. May actually, if I'm thinking now, be in the midst of a practice round with Nick Taylor. And I asked him about that partway through this interview. Here is Corey Connors from our conversation yesterday. Very, very happy to be joined now by Canadian PGA Tour golfer coming off a T19 at the Scottish Open over in the UK. Corey Connors joins us now. Uh, Corey, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? Yeah, no problem. I'm doing great. Just, uh, yeah, getting getting ready for a big week here at the Open Championship. And, uh, yeah, feeling pretty good. So you've been over in the U.K. for, I won't assume how long, but I know at least a week, getting ready for the Scottish Open. What, what's it like for you? I always wonder with guys, you know, it's a uh, it's a major. You're there for work, but such a cool part of the world to be in. Do you, uh, do you bring your family along with you? Is that just a uh, business trip for you? How, how do you look at it? Yeah, I played uh, played last week the Scottish Open, and I love coming over here to the UK. I just you know golf everywhere. The, the people are crazy about golf, and so many great historic golf courses. And um, yeah, it's just fun to be over here. So, was at the the Scottish Open by myself, but uh, wife's coming over uh, to the Open Championship uh, in uh, Hoy Lake, Liverpool, uh, with me. So I thought uh, it'll be fun to. Uh, have her cheering me on uh, but yeah lots uh lots of focus on the golf definitely it's uh, it's a work trip first and foremost but uh, it's fun to be over here and uh you know playing the scottish i think helps has helped me the last few years get acclimated over here time change and a little bit different weather played in some wind last week so feel like uh you know toughening up the game a little bit yeah, so let's uh, let's ask you about that. Your experience playing Lynx golf. I mean, you know, there are a lot of courses that will call themselves Lynx courses in all parts of the world, but we know a true Lynx test is something different and not something uh, we're used to here in in Southern Ontario. So, how much experience do you have with it? How comfortable are you with it? And how much of your play in the Scottish Open is just to kind of tool up the game? Yeah, I think I think playing the Scottish Open is big to you know. Yeah, get ready for the style of golf. Um, I don't really have a ton of experience. Um, you know, I played in my first Open Championship was uh, in 2019. So that was basically my first you know, taste of Lynx golf, and you know, played um, all the Open since then. So, um, you know, picked up a few things uh, over the last few years, but um, you know, not not a whole lot of experience on Lynx golf. But when it comes down to it, it's, uh, it's about trying to get the ball in the hole as quick as possible, and um, you know. It, always remember watching the open championship as a kid and seeing the shots and the creativity and um you know 
learned as much from watching others as as playing myself i feel like so i'm definitely not a stranger to it you know not afraid of it and i feel like my game uh, is really good at adapting to whatever's needed do you do you like like links golf? I mean, I know it's a job for you. I know you're competing, but uh, you know you're lucky enough to do a job that you like. I mean, when I think of my game, which is terrible, I love links golf because the humps and bumps are going to give me the break I don't deserve. When I think of a pure pure ball striker like you, I, I can imagine you might wince once in a while uh, getting a kick you don't deserve. How much just as personally do you enjoy it? Yeah, I think it's really cool. It's a fun change, you know, playing most of the year um, in North America. It's it's cool to experience something different. Um, you know, it's cool to play in major championships, and this is one of them. So um, I really love playing uh, Lynx golf, I think, just a couple times a year. You know, I've, I've gotten to do it, but uh, every time, you know, I've learned a lot, but, but I really love the experience. Uh, you definitely have to use some creativity. There's, you know, sometimes you have different options of, of shots, whether you keep it on the ground or, or get the ball up in the air. But, um, yeah, it's just about having fun with it and, you know, accepting the uh, the good breaks when you get the nice bounces off the humps and bumps and, and accepting the bad breaks when you get the bad ones off the those humps and bumps as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun challenge and, and something that I definitely enjoy. And I've been looking forward to, you know, this event for a while and as I do every year. It's been a, I think it's been probably about five years now that we've seen the rejigging of specifically the major schedule. How do you feel about ending the year with the, the Open Championship? Again, I mean, it's a major, they're all special, but maybe that's the one that has the most, I won't say luck involved, but variance, right? It's it's a luck of the hump or a bump, or you know, the weather maybe plays a factor there more than any other outside of the U.S. Open. How do you feel just as a player? I mean, I know you have your, your tour playoffs coming up, you're in a great position there, but there's something different about majors. How do you feel about the open championship being the last one yeah it's you know it's just what it's been i guess the last few years it's it's funny i was talking with some other players you know just today i can't believe the season's sort of you know nearing the end and this is the the final major championship like you said so um you know the year's definitely gone by quickly uh but yeah try and uh you know give it one more shot and um you know got one more chance to to win a major and uh hopefully can can play well give myself a chance but uh, like you said, there's uh, there's definitely a lot that uh, needs to go right for you, and uh, you know it's, it's certainly not easy. But yeah, I'm very much uh, looking forward to it. And yeah, the year's winding down, so try and uh, finish with some good weeks. This is uh, it's pretty inside baseball. I saw you're paired up. I could have my days wrong, but I think it's tomorrow. You're going to play a practice round with with Nick Taylor. Do you guys ask to be paired up? I mean, I don't think it's by happenstance, or maybe it is just dumb luck that you guys get paired up together. I, I just saw that, and I was always curious as to how exactly that works. Like, is it like when I sign up my kid for little league, and I'm like, he likes to play with Jimmy? How does it work, Corey? Yes, typically week in and week out on the PGA Tour, and. You know, even at the Masters, there's no tee times on the practice days. It's kind of, you know, you show up to the tee whenever you want to play. If you've got a group, you show up together. If you're by yourself, you know, maybe someone's looking for a game on the first tee. But uh, here you do have to book tee time. So um, uh, that was my doing. I uh, <laughs> saw the, the tee time, the tee sheet, and uh, put put both our names down there. So um, this this one's kind of unique. you got to plan out your week, um, you know, a little early i guess to make sure you can get some tea times to play practice rounds kind of unusual and kind of annoying and being used <laughs> to just showing up to the tea whenever you're ready to play um but um yeah so just we had chatted and we we're planning to get a game together um uh tomorrow and 
yeah, I uh, I signed us up, so it's all good. One other funny thing about the Lynx golf, typically in practice rounds, you can you know quit at the turn if you want or keep playing, but the the ninth hole here is very very far from the clubhouse, so you're you're pretty much locked in for 18 when you when you start teeing it up. That's uh, that's funny. I, I know people like to hear that. My my co-host is actually playing some golf right now. He's my official tee time booker, so you're going to be near and dear to his hearts, the both of you, just grinding hard uh, to get times for for the boys. Uh, you mentioned Taylor there. I was I was standing there on the 18th green. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to have a great view of it, although I did see the ball go in the hole. Obviously, uh, you were a little closer. Uh, I always say getting to watch you guys watch it was not, not quite as special, but almost as special as watching the reaction from Taylor himself. What was it like for you being on that green? I mean, you've played in that tournament so many times. I imagine you watched it uh, once or twice in person as a, as a kid before you played in it. Uh, just what was it like being there for it? And obviously, you know Nick pretty well. What's it been like to kind of uh, see how the moments affected him afterwards? Yeah, that, that moment was really thrilling. Um, you know, being a Canadian, being a golf fan, being a golfer, and, and being a friend of Nick was it was all so special and quite a moment. The atmosphere there was incredible and it was pretty sweet, uh, you know, celebrating with him on the green. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get tackled like uh, our, our good friend Adam Hadwin, but um, it was a really special moment. I, I think, you know, it's going to be an iconic Canadian sports moment. And Nick's such a great guy and, um, you know, he's he's worked really hard and he's, he's been having a great year and it, it's pretty awesome to see him get the job done. You know, we all know how difficult it is to win on the PGA Tour. And, um, you know, winning that tournament is certainly something that all the Canadians want to do. And for him to do it was just really incredible. And, um, you know, as far as changing him, certainly nothing's really changed. Same uh, same guy. He's, you know, he's pretty well grounded. And um, But couldn't have happened to, to a nicer guy. And uh, I was uh, I certainly thrilled for him. And it was a lot of fun being there uh, in person. Uh, to watch it happen it's funny of course you bring up Hadwin getting smoked there and I immediately said to my buddies afterwards that he is going to win a major and they're still going to bring it up and that theory got put to the test a week later when he was in the playoff and they could not show enough of it uh during the coverage so yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be a part of his resume forever and honestly just uh I'm so happy for all the you guys that you got to watch it I mean I know so often with the tour it's one stop to the next you guys are borderline trunk slamming trying to get out of there so it's really really nice uh, that you all were were able to uh, kind of be a part of it. Uh, I did I did want to ask you uh, another one for you, more kind of specific to your game. You know, obviously putting is something that gets talked about a fair amount with you, and it's something you work on. I know. I mean, I've I've seen you working with Derek Ingram on the range, pouring him in. What's it like working on putting specifically versus kind of your total? all around game. I mean, I can only imagine with a, you know, with swings, if you're making a change, it feels like something major, even if it's something minor with putting, I imagine it can be so finicky almost one day to the next. What's it like for you kind of working on that aspect of your game compared to the rest of it as a whole? Yeah, it's, to be honest, it's something that I, I like to work on. Um, you know, it's definitely been a bit of a weakness in my game at times. And, you know, I've, feel like I've put in a lot of work and I feel like you know things are getting more consistent and, and getting closer to being you know being really good where I and where I want them but it's uh, it's definitely challenging uh there's such a fine line with putting and um I'd say as much it's as much technical as it is mental um you know you can be stroking it great and not not see putts go in and get really really down on yourself and you know wonder what the heck's wrong but you can also you know, maybe not be stroking at your best, but 
you know, putts are going in. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a little bit finicky, but um, I've, I've got a good plan. I feel like I'm working on the right stuff and um, worked a lot on my speed control, trying to, you know, hit putts with proper pace, which I think is, is one of the most important uh, aspects. My starting line's always been pretty good. Um, just getting, hitting putts with the right pace and hitting putts to make them. But yeah, as, as much technical stuff as you work on uh, on the practice green, uh, there's definitely a mental component to it as well. Where you, you just got to step up and, and be free and, and trust yourself. So um, yeah, definitely uh, been working hard at it. And, you know, I've seen bright spots in, in certain weeks and certain rounds where, you know, I like the, the good stuff that's happening. So I'm just trying to stick with it and hopefully uh, can string more of the, the good results together. That's that's really good to hear, and I would never compare the two game, uh, our games together, but is there anything worse than hearing that you're hitting really good putts when not a one is dropping? Because I'm the king of that. I'm hitting great lags to an inch here, and if I got to hear I'm rolling it well one more time just to have it skip by the hole, uh, I'm going to lose my mind. So I can relate with you uh, yeah. on that, Corey. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough uh, when, when that happens. You can kind of get yourself into a rut. It's, it's so outcome-oriented putting. If it goes in, you, you feel like you're – you know, hit a good putt. If it doesn't, you're, you're wondering, but, um, yeah, you know, I've, I've gotten better at, you know, taking the positives from, from even missed putts and say, you know, whether I hit it with good speed, hit it solid or, or hit it on the right line, just maybe misread it. Um, try and try and take the positives from whatever you can and, uh, keep, uh, yeah, keep things mentally stable. Pretty good advice for all of us, uh, golf or not, I think, Corey. Uh, really, really appreciated the chat. Uh, best of luck to you and all the guys over there. I mean, because I'm talking to you, I'll say I wish you the best of luck. But if any one of the Canadians wants to uh, grab that shiny jug, uh, we would certainly take it. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on with me today. Yeah, I love it. No problem. Take care. You guys hear that? He loved it. My bestie. Corey Connors, uh, mm. awesome, awesome chat with him. Uh, will not surprise you, Sam McKee, that I ended the interview talking with him. Uh, you know, as another, he he's the only guy in golf I could talk to about this who gets it like me of just putting woes. And I said, and we commiserated about how frustrating it is to hear that you're rolling it well uh, when she don't go in. And I had to, had to complain about Corey Connors to that because if anyone in the world can understand what it's like to be rolling it well and not seeing him drop... Uh, my man from List of All certainly does. <laughs> yeah, it's a very similar thing, I'm sure. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. very. Uh, the other part uh, that I knew you would enjoy uh, was him being the guy to book the tee time for him and Nick Taylor for their practice round. The only, the only one of the majors that requires you to actually book a time. I love that. It's great. I love that. I've seen it at Wingfoot, where I think it's Wingfoot, anyways. And they talked about this in the lead up to the U.S. Open there a few years ago, where even for members, there's no tee times when you have your four. Just go plop a ball down on the first tee, and mm-hmm. if there's a ball there, you plop it behind it, and that's how you get in line. I thoroughly love, love, love that. Love these little uh, quirky idiosyncrasies from the game. Yeah, but that's I, isn't that like a lottery at Bethpage Black? So you got to get there early. It's a little different. Put your, put yeah, you got to you got to sleep in your car, and then they come by and they're like, "Hey, come get your stub," and then they make sure you're still there in the morning. Yeah, there's been great uh, little videos done on this. That's that's one of those. It's so close. It feels like yeah. I don't know. Do you feel a pull to do that one day? Sleep in More your sure. car? Go play Beth Page? Well, like, I'm just looking at um, a tea time right now. At Beth Page? Yeah. And but is it black? Because they have a thousand courses there. Beth Page black course. I just know. I know I have some buddies who if I let. I could get on today at 11 a.m. 
uh, for one player. Okay. At uh, for eighteen holes. Well, go drive. We got time. It's not. And, oh no, bunk needs us, so you can't make it. it. I mean, it's, it's a couple hours. Yeah, it's not that far, no, is it's it? Not. Okay, let's just book this time. See how much it costs. <laughs> Anyways, do do do. So yeah, it's. I mean, that's pretty. That's actually it's surprising. No, Anyways, it's very so. reasonable. The best paid back is totally doable. But I'm just saying, and I'm not accusing you of this. You are organized and know what's going on. I am not as the guy who booked two wrong flights uh, going to and from Alberta. But I have some buddies who'd be like, don't worry, I got it taken care of. And then we're playing like Beth Page Yellow or something <laughs> like that. And it's not it's not the same. I had a, I had a couple. I've had some screw ups this year. I, yep. I had a bad screw up with my buddy, with our buddy Prime. Yep. Got to Lakeview and I booked it for, or I just didn't book it. Yep. Like I just didn't get the confirmation email. It just was not booked. So we went and played you... Nationals of Centennial. And then ye- earlier last week, I we were 10 minutes late. So we missed the first hole at Lakeview. We had to go on the second tee. Disgusted with you. Yeah. Uh, last year, or maybe this was two years ago, uh, you dragged us out to the beautiful Cope Time Woods uh, mm-hmm. when you had the tea time mm-hmm. several weeks later. That was bad. Yeah. That but, was a bad one. But it was, our boy Bear got us on. You know, I didn't want to brag as, you know, media members flexing the old muscles no, a little he bit. Got but us we on. did. Uh, yeah. The bear, the bear ter- certainly <laughs> took care of us. Yes, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> yes, Jeff, depending on who you're talking about on that show. Open uh, Championship starting up. We're a couple days away from some coffee golf. Uh, this is a little job for everybody behind the glass or anyone who's feeling adventurous. I need these TVs to work by the time Thursday morning rolls around. I would like to watch the Open Championship. That would be great. Is, while is I that discuss, possible? While I discuss the Open Championship. Oh, oh, okay. oh, my God. These guys are flicking. I don't need it now. Now I'm going to get distracted. I'm gonna be like, oh, look at that. Uvagers. Not bad. They got a pretty good design. Okay, we won't do that. Uh, some notable groupings that are, that are coming out here. We're getting some tea times. Nick Taylor going to play with Phil Mickelson and the worst-named golfer in the history. I don't know if this is as bad as the pitcher, Homer, Homer Bailey, mm-hmm. but Adam Shank for a pro golfer right up there with among the worst names terrible. you could possibly have. So that's Truly who Taylor terrible. is uh, playing with there. Other notable groups, Spieth, Fitzpatrick, Jason Day, Patrick Cantlay, Brooks Kepka, Hideki Matsuyama, Scotty Scheffler, Tommy Fleetwood, that big hunk, Adam Scott, Cam Smith, Xander Shoffley, and he's a major champ, so he gets in there now. Wyndham Clark. Wow. Uh, what, a, what a come up for him. Morikawa, Homa, and Hatton. Those are your uh, notable groups through the first uh, couple of days there. Obviously, plenty nice. of other guys who didn't And what time off. is those, Eastern? I have times in front of me, and I'm not going to pretend that I know they're Eastern, but I'm seeing a lot of 9 o'clock in the morning. So I bet you that's yeah, their, their time. time. Yeah, so, so you're not going to like that. No, I don't like that at all. That's way too early. I love it. Well, I'm probably going to be up. We'll have it on here. Yeah, you're going you're gonna, to – you think here's – the, here's pulling back the curtain for you. I have to tether myself every morning from not launching into a full like, hey, bud, how you doing? How was the dog? What did you do with the kids? Or you don't have any kids. I have a kid. What did you do last night? I have to tether myself so bad not to just launch into a full-fledged conversation like it is seven in the, at night as opposed <sighs> to five in the morning with you. I'm going to be insufferable. Coffee golf's going to be on. I'm going to be all hot and lathered with takes. Talking to you about about a lovely open championship golf. I, I just... I. I kind of worry for you coming in on Thursday and Friday, to be perfectly honest. Well, Thursday and Friday means I'm two days away from the morning show. <laughs> You're Bruno Caboclo there. You're Fran Fraschilla. We are two days away from being two days away and never happy to get up before the sun should, should wipe across my face in the morning. Yeah. I, just, I picture you getting up like a, like a Disney princess. There's like birds chirping around you. 
<laughs> much different than my wake up call at 4.30 where I literally sit on the edge of the bed and scream silently oh. <laughs> obscenities to myself at 4.30 in the morning. But yeah, uh, I, I, I love the Open Championship. I do feel sad, though. It's the last major. Totally. We're heading towards the end of the golf season. I mean, mm-hmm. we get to the FedEx Cup and all that stuff, but when when the, when the last major's For over, sure. it definitely sucks. But yeah, uh, I I am looking forward to it, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do that with Bunk today. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he's having us on this early. I am too. I guess uh, it's just the way the schedule worked out. Just the but, way she works there. Yeah. Uh, so we will definitely have plenty more golf for you as the week goes on. Uh, for that guy specifically on the text line, though, no more golf today on this show for him. Uh, so he'll be very very happy about that. Unless I come across another great theory about why you have to buy people a drink after a hole in one. I think the three that we've seen are all, like, there's not going to be better theories than those. No. What are the the three? Well, we we saw the one that guy was like, I'm trying to get people to celebrate with me. Yeah, I like that. So I had to buy the the round. The one that you said about the drink at Pebble Beach or whatever. It was during Prohibition, and a guy at Pebble Beach uh, had a little something in his bag, offered it to his playing partners, and the guy was so sour in his group. So why don't you go give it to everybody? Yeah. So then he did. Mm -hmm. I love that one. And then I also love... Of keeping them honest, yeah, keeping the accountability. So I think those three are the uh, somewhere in the somewhere in there lies the truth. And let's be honest, only old or young Tom Morris uh, knows the real truth out there. Mm. On the Fan Morning Show, we're giving away concert tickets all month long as part of our Bud Stage Summer Concert Series giveaway. Today we have tickets to give away for Beck and Phoenix playing at Budweiser Stage <sighs> on September third as part of their Summer Odyssey tour. To enter, all you have to do is text the code word "Saw Lightning" to five ninety five ninety. Again, that's Saw Lightning to 590-590. If you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow. We'll have more tickets to give away there. Another one that you're jealous of. I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? Love that song. Absolutely Um, love it. So I thought we're going to get into this with Shy. I saw this on Daniele's unbelievably good lineup that he gives us every morning. This like I this makes me feel so bad about my lineup that I give Kipper and Bourne every day. It's like this is so thorough. But I saw that the Jays promoted Aurelvis Martinez to mm-hmm. AAA. Not nothing. They're not gonna just bring him up, are they? Like is there a world where like he contributes this year? Like I don't know Well <laughs> It, would you prefer that he exist in the space currently occupied by Cap and Bichia? It's kind of that simple, right? Yeah. I think, well, there's no way that it's going to be Kevin Biggio because that's his son. And I don't think, I don't <laughs> think they're going to bring him up. So it's definitely more likely that they're going to trade him. He's their fourth ranked prospect. I thought he was like the can't miss guy in yeah. their, in their well, organization. Well, Tiedemann. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought he was going to be better than those guys. But uh, it's interesting to me that he got promoted because we're getting close to that time. I guess the scouts can't get to... Where are you, New Hampshire? You can't do it. They can only go to Buffalo. Ask. Like, I don't know. It feels like it's not that far a drive. So I'm not sure if that has any bearing on Higher it. But you just want to see. Pitching, I guess. But against better quality yeah. and how close he is to the major leagues and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So <laughs> And they saw what Vladdy did in that park. And they're like, we got to get all our prospects yes. there. You know how good they're going to look? I absolutely am so okay with trading this guy. <laughs> like, I, I I can't tell you how okay I am with trading a Ralvis Martinez. Like, all the nerds of my Twitter are like, oh, this guy's on angle Trade. Like, trade. <laughs> trade for, like, decent back-end reliever trade. Like, I do not care. I'm at the point with, in the fandom of the Toronto Blue Jays that you could talk me into trading pretty much any of the top prospects. Like, you're on the upswing here. You got a good team that's in a good playoff spot. You're hot at this moment. You're playing against another sub-500 team mm-hmm. from outside of the division that you've had a lot of success against. 
you got a good chance to, I mean, the Rays are scuffling. I don't know what they lost again last they night, did. didn't they? Baltimore lost last night on a Chris Taylor uh, grand slam. Quickly on the O's, listen to this murderer's row they have between now and the deadline. Mm. Dodgers right now, Phillies, Rays, Yankees, and then they play the Blue Jays as the deadline starts up for a three or four game set there. That is like, we've talked about how great this team is and the tough stretch the Jays have ahead of them. This is put up or shut up time for the O's right now. I think they're going to put up. Yeah, so I just do think I. they're legit good. I do too. But the, the yeah, the Rays are scuffling. They're three and seven in their last ten games. They're coming back down to the pack a little bit. Like Jays win tonight, and they're five games back. Like it's it's crazy how quickly this has happened. Yankees with a bad loss to the Angels. Brutal. Shohei, we talked about yep. it. He hits that massive bomb. They lose in extras. They're now the worst team in the American League East. <laughs> having them behind the Yankees, that's not what I'm sorry. Having them behind the Sox, I did not expect that. So I am irrationally excited about the Toronto Blue Jays and I didn't think I would be because it just feels like their offense is starting to come around a little bit and if you can trade Arelvis Martinez for a legit bat mm-hmm. I'm just something I am completely signing up for like, I'm very much any a, of, there's no untouchables to me I'm very much a two minds always trade prospects although I will say with what I've seen out of this team I don't know that this is the group to push all the chips in. So much of it is based well, on the pitching. Wait another year. I, it, this is the frustrating part is that you just look at what the lineup is, and I don't know that one bat changes it back to being as dangerous as you thought last year's group was, and you saw that went. Who better to ask about all this and more than Shy Davidi? He joins us next to kick off the final hour of Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.